Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, B.C. For the next hour, you and I are going to discover some great jazz, including some on the fringes of the genre, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. This week, the third and last installment of my series on jazz bass. I've spoken a touch about how jazz bass has developed from tuba to the string bass initially as a timekeeping instrument. Later, thanks to the work of Jimmy Blanton and Scott LaFaro, achieving an interactive equality with, with the other instruments, all the way down to it having an important solo role. There are so many amazing bass players that I can't play them all, unfortunately. But for this episode, I'll play a few that I missed, but also briefly look at the role of the bass in free jazz. I mentioned Scott LaFaro, who played with Bill Evans. What is less known about him is that he also played a major part in the development of free jazz, playing with Ornette Coleman on an early album. Another bass player who helped bring free jazz to the foreground was Charlie Hayden, who also played with Ornette Coleman on his Change of the Century album from 1959. From that album, here is Una Muy Bonita. Listen to that very freestyle bass. Thank you. 
Ornette Coleman on alto sax with Don Cherry and pocket trumpet, Billy Higgins drums, and Charlie Hayden on bass. Bass has also been a solo instrument in jazz, with whole recordings being made of just bass. Here's one by Eberhard Weber, known for blending chamber jazz, European classical music, and minimalism. He was very big on ECM records in the 80s and 90s. In 2007, he suffered a debilitating stroke and could no longer play, but he has continued to release albums from past concerts. He has one just released this month called Once Upon a Time, Live in Avignon, of solo bass. Here's one called Ready Out There, Eberhard Weber. Thank you. 
German double bassist Eberhard Weber, the two most ubiquitous bass players today, at least from my perspective, are Ron Carter and Christian McBride. You hear any jazz singer, new jazz instrumentalist, etc., and there's a not very low probability that when you look at the credits, the bassist is one of those two. Let's start with Christian McBride. What makes him so much in demand as a bassist? Well, according to Charles Waring, who put together a list ranking the top 50 jazz bassists, it's his versatility, warm sound, precision timing, great sense of feeling, and his imaginative flair when it comes to improvisation. And the Christian McBride Big Band, who have put out three albums since 2011, the first two winning Grammy Awards for Best Large Jazz Ensemble Album, has given me a new appreciation for big bands. Let me play something from the Bringing It album of 2017, and it supplies a nice contrast to my previous selection of Eberhard Weber's solo bass, a composition and arrangement by trombonist Steve Davis, who does a great solo, by the way, something we could all use. It's called Optimism.
a big band led by Christian McBride, and his warm and here mostly understated bass work, Optimism. The other ubiquitous bass player is Ron Carter, who is probably the most recorded jazz bassist of all time. He first made his mark between 1963 and 1968 as part of Miles Davis's rhythm section. He's known for his slick, round tone and playing very slightly in front of the beat. I have a few thousand recordings with Ron Carter to choose from, and I'm choosing this next one because not only does it beautifully illustrate that slightly in front of the beat style, but it's also written by another bass player, the composition is. It's the late Eddie Gomez, who played with Bill Evans for many years. Eugene McDaniels, from his hard-to-find Evolution's Child album, recorded in 2009, just two years before his death. This is The Sweet Forever. Gene McDaniels with Ron Carter and an Eddie Gomez composition. crossed my mind There's so little time That we live In the sweet forever Though the journey seems long It doesn't take long To realize the song Always has an ending Here in the sweet forever Through my eyes I have tasted a million smiles And my heart still dreams The dreams of a child I learned to live precious moment at a time I realize deep inside time keeps slipping away when you hold me so tight and my heart takes flight I'm alive in the sweet forever My soul takes flight I'm alive In the sweet Forever When you hold me so tight 
that my soul takes flight, I'm alive in this week forever. What a beautiful song with beautiful singing. Jean or Eugene McDaniels with Eddie Gomez's The Sweet Forever, featuring Ron Carter on bass and Ted Brancato piano. Listening to this and the subtlety of Carter's bass work, you can get a real sense of dependability, and he really holds this recording together. Today, you're listening to part three of Jazz Bass. I had previously mentioned that jazz critic Charles Waring in his article ranking the 25 top jazz bassists, as silly as an endeavor as that might be, did put two electric bassists at the top, with Jaco Pastorius as number one. Number two was Stanley Clark, who also plays upright bass. Clark very much fuses jazz with funk and rock, and jazzified what Sly and the Family Stone bassist Larry Graham had been doing with that percussive and slapping style playing. Uh, Stanley Clark was a member of Chick Corea's fusion group, Returned Forever in the 70s, and he's put out a few albums under his own name. Here's a short track from a 1998 album, the title track from If This Bass Could Only Talk. Stanley Clark. Clark. And of course, if you listen to part one of this series on jazz bass, you'd know that neither Stanley Clark nor Larry Graham actually invented the slap bass technique. Go back to episode 180, Jazz Bass Part 1, and the second tune I played by Bill Johnson's Louisiana Jug Band from 1929. Johnson had been playing in such a style on a three-string bass since 1900. How about a couple Canadian bassists? Brandy Disterheft, originally from Vancouver, played for quite a while in Toronto and is now based in New York. From her first album from 2007, appropriately titled Debut, 
Here is what an all-about jazz reviewer wrote about this particular track that I'm going to play. Typhoon, the 27th hour, has a fine free chart that features a charged harmonic interplay between the searching, scorching tenor of Chris Gale and Disterheft running riot over the bass, while Uhas keeps things going with this chord-like rumbling on toms and timpanies. It certainly is some interesting bass work. Brandy Disterheft, Typhoon, the 27th hour. Thank you. 
A bit of free jazz there with Canadian bassist Brandy Tistrift and uh, tenor saxophonist Chris Gale. I have to say that so often the jazz bass style that most speaks to me is one that is very simple and very subtle and whose main purpose is to accompany a vocalist or lead instrument and make them sound really good. Here where I live in Victoria, B.C., where we have some amazing jazz bassists such as Louis Rudner, who you heard in part two of this series on jazz bass, One of the most in-demand bassists is somebody who, while capable of going wild on the instrument, rarely does. He's just there, and his job is to enhance all the other instruments in the band. His name is Joey Smith. Here he is, with an album from 21 years ago, a gypsy jazz album by guitarist and mandolinist Mark Atkinson. This is from his first album, from Atkinson's first album, also with Chris Fry on rhythm guitar. It's their rendition of On the Street Where You Live. Mark Atkinson. Mark Atkinson Trio with Joey Smith on bass. Staying with bassists whose main job is to enhance whatever else is going on without wanting to be in the limelight, there was a bassist named George de Vivier, who has long been a favorite of mine, especially after I heard him on a couple old Sarah Vaughan albums. He never made a record under his own name, but was probably the Ron Carter of his day, having played with so many famous jazz musicians and pop singers, too. For instance, on Ben E. King's classic hit of Spanish Harlem, George de Vivier is the double bassist. 
Oh, and speaking of Ron Carter, he did play on one of de Vivier's records. What? You say? How could that be? Well, on Ron Carter's debut album of 1961, called Where, Carter played cello on three tracks, and George de Vivier was his bassist on those, and uh, also uh, the bassist on one on a bass duet. Here is uh, one of those cello-bass combinations with George de Vivier on bass and Ron Carter cello with Eric Dolphy on flute, Mal Waldron piano, and Charles Persep drums. The Cy Oliver classic, Yes Indeed.
Let's now hear something of George de Vivier from one of my favorite Sarah Vaughan albums, After Hours from 1961. The tune is called Every Time We Say Goodbye. Also with Mundell Lowe on guitar. Every time we say goodbye, I die a little. above me who must be in the know think so little of me they allow you to go when you're near there's such an air of spring about it I can hear a lark somewhere begin to sing about it there's no love song finer but how strange the change from major to minor every time we say goodbye every time we say goodbye i just die a little every time we say goodbye I wonder why a little, why the gods above me who must be in the know think so little of me they allow you to go when you're near there's such an air of spring about it I can hear a lark somewhere begin to sing about it. There's no love song finer, but how strange the change from major to minor. Every time we say goodbye, every time we say goodbye, every time we say goodbye, bye-bye. Oh, so many great bassists I haven't included. I wanted to play something by Victor Wooten, for example. And how could I ignore Jimmy Garrison, or Leroy Vinegar, or Steve Swallow, and umpteen others? But I've run out of time, so I'll just present two more. One of them is still alive and playing. He's had a 60-year career and has a new album out that was rated by Jazzwise in Britain as one of the best of 2021. He is British, although he's lived in the States for most of his bass-playing life. I'm talking about Dave Holland. The album is called Another Land, and it's by his trio, which consists of guitarist Kevin Eubanks and drummer Ovid Caliber. From that album, here is Bring It Back Home.
bassist and composer Dave Holland from his brand new album. You've been listening to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan. This is part three of my series on jazz bass, finishing off with one of the only bassists that I can virtually always identify. He may not be on most critics' list of top bassists, but he has a very distinctive characteristic in his playing. Every time he soloed, and sometimes when he wasn't, he would sing an octave above what he was playing. And most of those solos are bowed, something that wasn't done very much uh, in his day. It's Slam Stewart. And this is from 1944, where he's playing with the amazing Art Tatum and guitarist Tiny Grimes. I Got Rhythm. And if you tune in next week, you'll hear more rhythm, as well as melody and harmony on Discovering Jazz. And it will be done by women, because it's International Women's Day. Bye for now. <laughs>